inspiration, enlightenment, and insight on how to get what you want and how to keep it. We could have been anything that we wanted to be. And it's not too late to change it. We'd be delighted to give it some thought. Maybe you'll agree that we really ought to. And now, here are your hosts, Paul Williams and Tracy Jackson. Good morning, Paul Williams. I'm watching you tweet. Well, you know, it's I, I've, it's a mild addiction. It's like the, I love my iPhone and everything. But we lost somebody today that was a great friend to music creators, you know. And part of my job as, as president and chairman of the board of ASCAP is I spent a lot of time in Washington talking to senators and, and congressmen and people on both sides of the aisle. And Howard Coble just died. Howard Coble was 84, 30 years in the judiciary, and he was fighting for music creators' rights. And, and in the world of streaming, you know, don't get me started on how we're being screwed by them people that are taking our songs, ain't properly paying. Anyway, Howard Coble. How did you just move into little Enos in the middle of uh, well, giving this tribute to Howard Coble? Well, probably it's the spirit of Howard Coble because he was from so a congressman oh, from North Carolina. okay. But 30 years on the, on the judiciary really making a difference in music creators' lives. And, and when somebody like that who's been in service to their country for 30 years and helping out, you know, songwriters are small businessmen. I've always said that I'm the person perfect president for ASCAP. I'm a small businessman. Oh, my God, there's little Enos again. You're um, having, he's taking over you this morning. He's I know, like, I know. You've been taken over by but little yeah, Enos. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to start the, the podcast with a little, you know, uh, by offering my deep respect for the amazing work that Howard Coble and a lot of great people on both sides of the aisle are doing to help us as songwriters make a living in the world of, of streaming. But then, you know, when people die at that age, and 84 is a good run, it's not... Yeah, you know, it it, it's I want three digits. I know on my you do on your driver's license. license but someone who's made a difference in the world, had an impact, left something behind, a legacy, yeah. goes at eighty four. It's sad, but it's they were they were here, they left something. They they got to, to old me, age. At, That's at, not a bad thing. At my at seventy five, eighty four looks Seems like so. nipped in the bud. I'm I know. sorry. I want you know You know, the older <laughs> I get that I look at that, Glenn and I read the Obits every morning. There's it's like Saturday was terrible because everybody was seventy. Wow. And and so there's days when we and we always tally it up. We go, look, there's one eighty nine. There's one ninety two. Look, someone hundred and one. And then we, how much time you have we, left? Well, you yeah, you sort of yeah, you tally it up and you and then so Saturday, every single person who died was between seventy and seventy two. You've wow. already outlived all of them. Yeah, my dad died at fifty nine. You know, my mom was like in her late sixties. Now, I, but it's weird because I was older and in worse in my forties. I mean, I was in in my forties. I weighed one hundred and eighty-seven. I was, you know, sedentary. I was loaded on cocaine and alcohol. You know, I'm seventy-five, and and I mean, I ran two miles in the park this morning. People walked by me as I was running, but you, you know, you ran or you 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 bobbed. Well, I bobbed. I jog. You know, I, you bog. I guess this is what you do. Is you bog. You're a bogger. I'm a bogger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but well, it's but it's you know it's just it's my meditation and it's what I do and all and I just feel so young and so blessed at seventy-five. And you know? so my I urge our listeners, you know, first of all, let us hear from you at www.gratitudeandtrust.com. How you you know how you staying young? How do you feel about the aging process? What are you doing to make sure that you that you get up out of the couch, off the couch, and out of the house? It's just so important. I'm busier than I've ever been. I mean, in the last ten days, I've done Belgium, D.C., Long Beach, Nashville, and New York in like ten days, and I feel great. And he jogged to all of them. He jogged between all those. Well, he swam to Belgium. <laughs> it did not. In his triathlete competition. No, I think it's important. I think it's important to to stay active mentally, physically, emotionally. Just keep keep on keeping on. I will. I did a blog about that this week because I watched the marathon took place outside my window in New York City, and I it's so moving to watch that marathon because first they clear the street, and then the very first people through are the the wheelchair participants, and yeah, you see those people hunched over in a wheelchair who have gone 26 miles and I think it's 385 yards is the exact amount of the uh, New York Marathon and it's it's just mind-blowing that they have that courage that they have that fortitude and and I read an article about them and it's actually harder for them not just the fact they you think maybe because there's wheels involved it would 
be slightly easier, but it's not because of the terrain and the potholes sure, and the streets sure, and sure. the curbs and the road. I, you know, it's just what they go through. And they finish that race. And then you see the first people come in, and they're so far ahead of the rest of them, the first ones. You just realize that. And then you know, 49,000 people start coming through. Oh and by night, there are all these people, and they're they're going to finish that race. And you look out the window and you see them and they're so exhausted and some are limping and some are sick, you can see. And it it's the most heartwarming, inspiring thing to, to watch the full program, not just to see one part of the finish line, but the, to see that you know, all the people running the race and how they all commit themselves to finishing the race. And, yeah. and that's what's really important. You know, I, and I wrote a blog, as you know about that, called It's Not... It's, it was it's, a it's that really touching blog. And the fact is, I love that you talked about the fact that it is everybody's personal journey. There, the, the, your, your race is not so much with the people around you for the everybody after the first five guys across the line. For the rest of the, of the people running, the race is not with the other people in the race, but it's, it's for a personal best, the personal challenge and all. And so... So yeah, I, I I thought your your writing about it was really tight. And we did an event for the Karen Foundation last night, for the family group talking to a, a lot of parents of of recovering alcoholics and some that had had lost their kids in, to to the disease of alcoholism. And it was a, so beautiful that at the end of the evening, our friend Marguerite read portion of your blog that was so touching about about this you know, this personal journey to find your best self and all. And I just, I had a moment where I was just so proud of you, you know. And it's just, you know, I'm, we sit and we jab at each other and, you know, kind of poke at each other and, and the like. And the fact is you are my best friend and, and, and I, I see what you've done and, and the, the way your life has grown and changed through the work we're doing in Gratitude and Trust. And I joke about you being a full-tilt honorary drunk. But it was just really touching to hear your words, what you'd written last night. And I wish we had it in front of us because we'd read it right now. But it's no, we wouldn't. It's, it's okay. really lovely. But People can you read know, it for me, the, what I, I love a good story, and I love a great third act in, in somebody's life. I love when somebody has reinvented themselves and they and they move forward and all. Our guest today just won a Grammy in 2015. Won a Grammy for best traditional R and B performance for. Uh, uh, and we all know him as an actor. I mean, uh, talk about a time-passing moment because you think about the kids on somebody who plays a kid, a son or whatever, on a series you watch for years and years, you remember them as that kid. And all of a sudden, this 45-year-old buff guy walks in the room, you know, and uh, and it's like, wow, what you know, what what happened there, you know? But we're talking he, about he grew up. See, some guys grow. Oh, I'm not going to pick on you. Well, you Malcolm, just you were just very touching, and I was going to make a short joke. I'm you, know, not that's do it. you can do it. But we're talking about Malcolm Jamal Warner, <laughs> who is our, our who... guest today, and his, uh, you know, his, it's it's amazing. I listened to his his record, and I went crazy for it because I was expecting a full tilt. You know, I thought it was you know it was going to be basically you know urban rap kind of a thing at all. And and it's po- which is which is to me is like is like urban poetry. His music is a, an amazing combination of spoken word and music, and it's it's really beautiful, you know. So it is. I bought the whole album, and not because he was coming on the show, because I liked it so much. And it's and it's not the kind of thing I normally listen to either. If you look at my playlists, and and I was very taken by it, and very taken by his talent, and the depth of what he's saying, and the way in which he says it, and you know he has grown, and and he has grown into a. Amen. And there's a real, there's a solid spiritual message to his music and all. And and uh, so to our guest today, after we'll be right back with Malcolm Jamal Warner. Malcolm Jamal Warner just walked in the room, and I got to tell you, it's wonderful to be able to say hello to somebody who I, having just listened to their music and gone, oh my God. Oh, nice. Nice. I'm glad, I'm glad you listened to the music. The new album is really, Selfless, really it's awesome. Strong. And he's Good, all grown. I look at him and I go, he's all grown up. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, right? You <laughs> really, yeah. You were just a little boy. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I, I really feel it the most when I see Keisha or Raven. And I'm like, oh my God, they were four years old when I first met them. <laughs> <laughs> Do people say that to you, though? Because America thinks of you as a little boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's kind of the pleasant surprise when people see me in person and go, oh, wow, he's not that not that kid. Yeah, but the other thing is you also look, you don't look you know, every year. of. I mean, you're, you're not old. You're in your, you're in your 40s yes, now. Yeah, but you don't yeah. look like a, you know, you're normally, I mean, you, you look, there's, a, there's kind of kid in your dna i think you know and hopefully there is in mine i'm 75 and i just don't think i project that 
You don't. No, no, no. exactly. This is, this is when we all have to give Pauly love here. Huh? Are, you, are, you, are, you, <laughs> are you really 75? 75, yeah. Get Nin- out of here. 1940, yeah. Get out of here. There we go. Nice. Okay. No, okay. I mean, get out of here. Okay. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, yeah, exactly. right. Okay. But he's well, still yeah. old enough you, to say, no, when you say get out of here, he doesn't know what you mean. He was going to leave <laughs> yeah, the room. Yeah, exactly. Then well, I have to you, leave. Yeah. I don't want to sound like all the maids and everything, but you, you, you really rock 75. Like, Thank you, sir. Yeah. And I think because... Um, probably because you know so many we know we live in a country where you know we don't take care of ourselves so you know you have this vision of what you know 70s are supposed to look like but man I love it well, I'm 25 years sober. That's the biggest change in my life. And I was 49 when I got sober and everything. Wow. And, and, you know, Tracy and I started working on the book we wrote, Gratitude and Trust, which we have in front nice. of you. About you three, take about, home? That's your party favor. Okay, That's awesome. your party favor, Mel. That's your party oh, favor. Awesome. But I when we started working on the, right on the book, it, it, it's, it's affirmations that are kind of action, you know, action portals to change in your life. Mm. The first one is something needs to change, and it's probably me. And when writing that down and then looking at myself as my son's, said dad you're beginning to look like a, a a cookie jar a cookie jar i know the line you know i was exactly i was i was 160 pounds i'm like 132 today because i immediately started i went i gotta fix this it's up to me and i started moving i run every day you know so and i know you have a Man. thing about about sweating it's one of your songs yes yes know? training days yeah training yeah, days oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Talk I was, to us about your music. That's people don't really. You're you've got just. You're a Grammy winning. Yeah, I have a musician. Grammy. <laughs> 2015 Grammy. Yeah, R and B performance. That oh my feel. God. Awesome, awesome. So okay, so so for your audience who doesn't know, I'm a um, I'm a poet. I'm a spoken word artist. I'm a bass player. Um, I started out. Um, you know, I didn't start playing music until I was 26. I was doing uh, Malcolm and Eddie uh, over in UPN. And it was a very frustrating time for me. It's around 1996 because I had come from um, I had come from uh, NBC under Mr. Cosby's wing in an environment where he made everyone ultra aware of the images of people of color that we were broadcasting. And then I got to UPN, and their whole marketing campaign was the total antithesis of what I had grown up with. So it was a very frustrating time for me, and I realized that um, I needed a hobby. Because I, I was acting, I was directing and producing on that show, um, but was fighting, you know, fighting the system, you sure. know, every single day, and realized I needed a hobby. Acting had always been a hobby for me. Even when it became a career, it was still that thing that I loved to do. Directing became uh, was a hobby, became a career. So I figured I need a hobby. If I pick up an instrument, I would never be one of those corny actors who want to get into the music business. <laughs> yeah. I'll never start a band. I'll never record a CD. It'll just be a hobby. Um, but clearly, I don't know how to have hobbies. Yeah. Um, and the bass playing just kind of turned into, um, it kind of became its own thing. I'd been a, a uh, I was very active in the spoken word and the resurgence of the spoken word community here in LA going back to like 93, 90. So I was very active on the scene as a poet. And then when I started playing bass, at at some point it only made sense to combine the poetry with my own band. And from there it just kind of took off. I think it's a creative spark, a creative spirit, and everything. Whereas acting is more of a, especially you know, in a in, is kind of an interpretive art, as opposed to the headwaters of the creative spirit that obviously yeah. is there. You had to create, yeah. you had to make stuff. Yes, yes, because you know when, when you're acting or even directing, you're interpreting someone else's work. Yeah, exactly. But when you get to when you're writing your own stuff and you're expressing your own stuff, and people respond to it and it resonates within people, it's kind of the thing that makes you go. That's the, the the really gratifying part, because as a poet, you know we you know I write um, for my self expression. Poetry is kind of my own therapy, if you can tell through, yeah, through, yeah. through the record. Yeah. But you know, as a writer, you're always told the more specific you are, the more universal. Um, your material is and I've really found that because I've been very specific right from the center of your chest yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and I'm, as I'm sure gratitude and trust resonates with so many people yeah but it came from what you needed to express there's a, there's a quote that I, I ran into the room and I read this to, to Tracy. I said, you have to hear this, you have to hear this. You know, There's nothing sexy about resurrecting negative thought wow. patterns but no longer, that no longer serve my growth and potential. I went, wow. oh my God, we need to talk to Mal. Wow. Wow. That's really fine. Wow. I mean, that says so much about what, it's. That's our message. That's a huge part of our message: is staying positive, staying grateful, staying you know, trusting in in, in the, your own future, and in your own ability to to rise to the occasion. And and 
How yeah, did you man, get to that yeah. place? What 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 was the? Uh, I mean, you've been you'd started you when? Let's go back a little bit. Mm. You started Cosby at what age? Thirteen. Thirteen, yeah. and you were, yeah. and that was like what nine years? Uh, and we did eight years. Eight, we did eight, eight years. years. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. took you right into your twenties. Yeah. <laughs> did you and did you ever have when that was over? Did you have the moment like what am I going to do next? Or you just rolled right into the other oh, show? My gosh. What was my so um, when the show first aired? I was we shot the pilot when I was thirteen. So when the show aired, I had just turned fourteen. And remember when the show first aired? I mean the the ratings were were through the roof. And my mother sat me down in that first season and she said, Malcolm, it's great that this show has the success that it has, but you know how this business is. This show could be over next year. What are you going to do when the show's over? She said, I can type, I can always get a job, but what are you going to do? So we literally spent eight years of that show as if it were uh, the last year because we didn't know. And I remember being 15 and watching one of those Where Are They Now shows and it scared the bejesus out of me. You can swear yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want to, I, I knew I did not want to be one of those Where Are They Now kids. So my focus had always been life after Cosby. Um, so by the time the show was over, you know, I had been directing. I, I, I had directed about a half a dozen episodes of Cosby. I was directing. I was going to ask Prince you that if you started directing on that show. Yeah, actually, before that, I started doing music videos. Yeah, and uh, and literally, I had to negotiate being able to uh, direct my first episode. I had to show them my reel. I had to show them that I had been doing. <laughs> I had yeah. been directing. Yeah, yeah. But they, were, but those were all things preparing for life after Cosby. And so then Cosby ended, and you. We're not flipped out, clearly. Not at all. We by the time the show was over, we were all ready to kind of move on with our lives. I mean, and one one of the great things about the show is we all genuinely liked each other, and I think that's one of the one of the reasons the show worked so well. Yeah, a, a family to an extent. Um, and I say that because we all had our own families and, and, and our fa- we were very involved in our own families. So, yes, I'd say family to an extent, but a lot of times people have this perception of, you know, well, Mr. Yeah. Gossie was like a father. Could to go us. have dinner to, to <laughs> with yeah. Bill tonight. You know? yeah, 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 but he had five kids of his own. And, yeah. you know, we all had, had our own parents and, and our own families. But it was definitely um, – so I was saying that, that, that it, we all genuinely loved each other, loved the working environment, but after eight years, we were all ready to kind of move on with our lives. Well, and you started as a kid, and then you were a man. Yeah. And it's kind of yeah. hard to keep that, you, when you need to sort of go out and, and find your own ex- and do some, form of expression yeah. in which you're going to be. Yeah. And then actually, right after, I, I had a show um, right after that. So when we wrapped, I already knew in a couple of months I was coming back to do my show. Uh, which only lasted lasted half a season, but <laughs> those years, those early years of, of Cosby, you know, in, in your you know your early teens and all, like those are the years when we get crazy, we make the big mistakes, we you know we fall in with our, with our bad buddies, whatever, and do what. But you were mm. in this very kind of a disciplined situation where you're showing up, you're working every, you know, doing, yeah, doing, yeah. Uh, and, and the and you know, there's somebody out there going, he was robbed of his childhood. Did did you did you in looking back, did you sense that that might be true at any level? Not at all, not at all. My um. You know, my mother, you know, who's still who, who's always been my manager and still one of my managers, um, you know, really my mother and my father both instilled certain values and, yeah. and, and morals in me as a kid. So by the time I got to Cosby, those things were kind of deeply ingrained. What would those have been, Malcolm? Because that's such a, it's I mean, because there's so many cases, as, as you said, yeah. of, what, of kids who really just completely went off the skids yeah, when that yeah. fame ended. And, well, your fame didn't end, but just that it went to their heads at such a what, what did your parents do? Well, if my fame ended, maybe I would go off the, <laughs> the deep no, end. But, no, but, but you clearly no. was, were going to do something. I mean, yeah. you seem very like centered that you would have been healthy handed, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You would have been okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what, what did your parents do? Because that's a great lesson for people who are listening. That's always what I care about is what can we impart to those people out there who may not have the parents that you had. Sure, sure. You didn't have the Danny Balducci explosion. No, yeah, no. Yeah. But but you know what though? One one of the things also is we came up at a at, at a time where we had so many of those examples uh, before us, the Danny Bonaducci's, and and most immediately right before us was the Different Strokes wave. You had the so, Gary Coleman thing, the Gary and, and the Todd Bridges and the Dana Plato. So and and we kind of overlapped. So you know we knew those people. We would run into those people. So. I think we, we all felt like we didn't really have an excuse 
to go off the deep end because yeah. we saw, you know, throughout history, but again, we saw most immediately with Todd and, and, and Dana um, that that's really not the path yeah. that we wanted to go. And lost Dana, but Todd is healthy and, and committed to his recovery. I yes, 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 yes. Yeah. But a lot of people after that, like, you know, Lindsay, Lowe, there are a lot of people who did also go off the skids after that. Sure. So it wasn't, so clearly there was something either in the family of that show or your own family yeah, is yeah. what I'm it was my own family, yeah. What was what what was that like? What well, was your home like like? And what did your mother say to you all the time that kept you well, she, she, centered and focused? She kept me focused on life after. Uh-huh. You know, and I think what happens is a lot of times people get so caught up in what's happening now. I've got a hot song out, a hot TV show, a hot movie, and don't think about, well, where do I want to be, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now? So, you know, even at the at the height of Cosby, when people would say, oh, well, you know, what's it like, you know, being successful and having this success? And my philosophy was always, well, until I am 40, 50, 60 years old, still working consistently as an actor or an, and as a director, only then will I be able to look back and say, I've had a successful career. Yeah. So the thing you know, uh, my mother instilled in me was it wasn't about what's happening right now. What's happening right now gives me a wonderful opportunity and a wonderful foundation and platform for, you know, for my future. But it, you know, now was not the end all be all. Did you but, have to come home and do chores and stuff? Like yes. you treated like a normal kid. Oh, you weren't yes. like Mr. Prince slang, like you may be big shit out there in the world, but when you come home, you're going to be like, if my mother was here, she would tell you, she would say, I don't care who's making the money in this house. I am the mama. <laughs> not so, the mama. I'm the mama. mama. Not the mama. Right. So, so like, you had to do chores and oh, you yeah. had to clean your room and you just you all were, of that. You oh, that's really good. All of that. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, you were not a princeling. No. The first thing I knew, I was like, okay, well, you know, we gotta get a dishwasher at least. <laughs> Let me at least buy a dishwasher. But yeah, I I I, I still had to do all the all my chores. I still had to be, um, you know, the 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 television thing was one thing, but at home, you know, I was still a teenager. You know, my mother and I, you know, we, you know, from about fifteen to seventeen, we went through that period that all teenagers and parents go through. Um, but my mother was very clearly uh, the authority figure, and there was no there was no challenging that. She had the big stick. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so you had a curfew. I had a curfew. Yes. Oh my gosh, I had a curfew, <laughs> and the, and I remember specifically uh, one time where I went past that curfew, and it was. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty at all. It was not pretty. But you look back now and you really credit her for making you the person you are. So it's, Definitely. She and my dad. Because so kids out there with curfews, listen to this. Yeah, yeah, because we always think our parents don't know what they're talking about. Or our parents are being mean. and uh, But, you know, I'm not a parent. Um, but, you know, being the product of two wonderful parents, um, I get it. And yeah. I see, um, you know, I see a lot of young people today who don't necessarily have that parenting in their life. And, and, and really, you know, what, 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 I think what, what, what kids don't want to admit is that they really do want boundaries. Yeah. They, need they really do want discipline. They really do want someone to not let them go off the deep end. Yeah. Well, it's hard. To, I mean, I have a 15, I've raised two kids. I have a 15 year old. My youngest is 15. Um, and, and I think it's hard enough. And as you say, those years between 14, 15, 15, 17 are tough enough. But if you've got a kid who's a big celebrity who goes out in the world and and then it was the TV demographics were so different because millions and millions sure. and millions. Yeah. How many people watched Cosby every yeah. week? You know, yeah. it's much harder to all of a sudden discipline that kid <laughs> who is a big deal you know sure. they can that you know so sure. it, it's a really it's a very fine line and i give your mom a lot of credit because it's a thing in, that people have not been able to do that yeah. easily with kids who are big living in a world living in a world where the, the world wants to give you whatever you want sure. i mean yeah. they're lining yeah. up to say what do you need what do you want we're, we're here oh to give God. it to you yeah. if lucy yeah. horowitz were on you know uh, uh, the number one tv show in the country right now i don't know what i would do with you'd her. hang yourself but but it's also it's the foundation yeah and my mother and I had a, we had built a really strong foundation long before Cosby. Um, and again, my, my, my dad, um, you know, my, my dad is interesting because, you know, he named me uh, Malcolm Jamal. He named me after Malcolm X, after Ahmad Jamal. Yeah. And when I was six, seven years old, um, on my summer vacations, when I would go see my dad in Chicago, 
he had this this thick book called Great American Negroes, and there were chapters on Richard Wright, Langston Hughes, Mary yeah. McLeod Bethune, Marian Anderson, and on my summer vacations, I had to read about these people. Read Richard Wright's Black Boy when you were a kid. Yeah, and, and but I but I had, to, I had to read about them and write book reports. Wow. Whoa. All my summer vacations. So what does what does dad do when he hears a song like like Master Magician? Oh my! You know what? So he had a we 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 just threw a, a surprise birthday retirement party for him in Chicago uh, two weeks ago, and there was you know there were some poets there, so you know each poet, poet did a thing, and I did that piece for him, and he had never heard it before. He hadn't heard it yet, and. I could just see the pride, oh, yeah. uh, you know, because and, and every time he talks, um, you know, he, he talks about how he appreciates me and he appreciates what I stand for. I always say to him, but dad, you did that. Yeah, like yeah. this is all the manifestation of everything that you instilled in me, you know, from 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 being a baby. It's a powerful song. It's a powerful piece of music, and it, it speaks to. What's interesting is you listen to that, and then you listen to 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 uh, Brand New Day, and I mean the 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 width of your voice, you know, the sure. the different areas of what sure. you're writing from, and sure. this and this the spirituality in that. It's it's it goes back to exactly what Tracy's been talking about. There's something in the way that you were raised, the way that you grew. That you never. I don't. I don't feel any disconnect from you and the sure. world world around you. Sure. Yeah. And that could have been the case solidly. You know? Sure. Yeah. And again, I, I, I have to attribute, you know, so much of that to my parents. Yeah. Yeah. Know, from the great. onset. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you make a great parent. You could pass that on someday. I know. I keep hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I, I've not gotten to the point in life where uh, I am ready to give <laughs> as selflessly as being a good parent requires. Well, you write about that too. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, thank you for listening. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you, and I'm like, yeah, you really listen to this, yeah. to this project. Oh, I it's, really it's appreciate it. It's strong. It's it's strong. And I mean, and you know, I'm I'm somebody that's old enough to remember uh, Lord Buckley, and you know, yeah. so you know, you know, and uh, but but it's strong. It's in, and it's message driven too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's in it's in the the you know, it's a really easy language to listen to. But it's but it's solid in in your message, uh, and it's it's uh, I I raced to grab that. There's another quote you were, that you were fascinated with about the spool of. I've tweeted it out. The spool. I saw my Twitter because I can't remember. I'm, oh, you, I can't remember. You tweeted it's, it, yeah. I tweeted it out of it. The spool that. Oh well. Talk yeah, about something, something about it, like it's spooling up to the sky. It's it's out of brand new day, which is I just think an amazing an amazing bit of bit of poetry. Mm, thank you. And thank and you I'm more inclined to say an, an amazing song because it it is a song too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. I, thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. So do you tour? Talk talk to us about your, what's your are you touring? Are you how do people hear you? So like spin spools of gratitude into the most high. Yeah. Actually, yes. Spit, actually, it's spitting poems of gratitude. Oh, Paul, are you. Yeah, spitting spitting oh. poems of gratitude to the Most High. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah. I had spools. How did yeah. I get spools? Well, I'm, you half, don't hear well. I'm half deaf. Anyway. I should learn not to listen to you. Spitting, <laughs> spitting poems. poems. I will poems. retweet it. Yeah. Right, I'll erase it and retweet oh, it. Oh, it's lovely. Thank it's you. lovely. Thank we'll you, fix man. it. We'll Thank fix you. it. We'll fix it now. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and you won the Grammy this year. Yeah, so I won a Grammy this year with Robert Glasper and Layla Hathaway. Robert Glasper on his album Black Radio 2. Does a um, an arrangement of the classic Stevie Wonder song "Jesus Children of America," yeah. and um, I was actually that's a great story because I was actually at the studio just hanging out, and Layla was was recording the the, the track, and uh, Robert was telling me about a buddy of his whose daughter um, was one of the kids killed in the Sandy Hook Elementary massacre. And he was playing me the song, and he was telling me how his friend was doing this poem and this musical interlude. And then about two weeks later, um, Robert came back to, to mix the record, and I, I'm hanging out. And he says, listen, man, um, you know, my buddy couldn't do the piece. It was really too close to home. Do you have a piece about Sandy Hook? And I said, no, but give me the track, and I will go upstairs and write one. And I went upstairs, <laughs> and in about an hour and some change, that piece... It, 
it came it, it, it flowed out and you know yeah. how you hear writers always talk about well I'm really just, I'm just the the instrument that God used to get this out and it sounds cliche and it sounds corny but that really I mean as as a creative person that's really that was really the experience yeah it's like the the the, the window opened the channel opened yeah. and they just it just it came out the older I get the less and less I have to do with what I write I love that. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, older yeah. I get, the less and less I do. I try to get out of the way. Yeah. yeah. And and the other thing I find is what I used to call procrastination is, in fact, just my inner, inner creative, the big amigo in there that's kind of doing the work. I think I'm putting it off, but the fact is something up there, some wonderful energy up there is, is doing the work. So when I sit down to write, it will sometimes pour out of me almost finished just it's um, in, a, in a very short window of time a, a huge amount of writing will come out of me I realized that I've been working on it while I was sitting here talking to you I was working on something while I was sitting here explaining to Tracy why I was late for our writing session I was writing a song in, in, in my in my unconscious you know she is, is somebody who will sit and write for like 10 hours. When we wrote this book, it's just, I found it absolutely unnerving to watch somebody <laughs> who could sit in that seat that long and expect me to do at least half of that. And I thought, well, this is, a, that's rude. <laughs> it's just rude. But the process is different. Yeah, the process is different. Well, I have to tell you, Paul, you just, um, you just dropped a really wonderful gem on me because I have this issue with you know procrastination. I feel like I'm procrastinating and work's not getting done. And but you you make a you make a, a a really great point, a really great observation that it's not procrastination. The the creative work is still going on. There's a wonderful composer named Richard Bellis who's actually on the ASCAP board with me and and uh, a, a film writer, a, a film composer, and he very specifically identified that. I, I was talking about the fact that that when I when there's when you're trying to remember, remember a name and you can't. And you're two hours later, all of a sudden it pops into your mind. I'm yeah. amazed at that. And he's and I also talked about the way I write these days. And he he's the one who said you used to call it procrastination. I have to give him credit for that. But it was it was for me as it just was for you. The light went on. I went, oh my God, that's the perfect way to describe it. Yeah. You know. And and you also dump a little bit of guilt at that moment. And yes. when you dump a little bit of guilt, yes. you're lighter and you, you, <laughs> and you, you move forward. You come Man. closer to uh, to flying. Man, thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. It was part of Abelis's sharing that So you've just me. given him license not to work? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah, follow, exactly. Follow, follow, follow. Uh, and, and, and I'm encouraging him to play. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and understand the process. Yeah. Well, are you touring? Let's go back to that. Are you touring? Yeah, because where, where, where do people hear you? Are you do, do you... You're just recording. You're just in the studio. Or you what? well, I, I I did a series of shows, had a summer music series this uh, this summer here in LA, uh, and I'm looking to get out on the road. I'm I'm actually uh, approaching some sponsors about being able to put a budget together so I can actually tour. Um, because really, one of the you know one of the one of the reasons I even started recording uh, a CD you know years ago was because I you know doing club gigs. Um, I love to play. I'm a musician. I'm a bass player. Your bass I love player. to play. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you do club dates, um, by the time you whatever you get paid and you pay everybody out, you know, I would always come out of pocket two, three hundred dollars every show. <laughs> so I figured if I had a CD to sell after the show, I wouldn't feel like I was you know losing money all the time. So I say that to say that the the reason I started recording was so I could have a reason to play. Yeah. So now I've got this record done which is independent. I you know I paid for the record myself. Um, so I don't really have tour support budget. So <laughs> I'm going to uh, I'm going to some sponsors. Um, you know, looking to get on the road. Uh, but you know, the CD is obviously on, on, on iTunes. I've got music on uh, my website, MalcolmJamalWarner.com, um, and I'm always posting stuff. Yeah. But um, you know, I don't quite have a tour schedule yet. But I'm working on it. But it's but it's a goal. I mean, that is something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because the you know the. Um, you know the the CD is one thing, and and that's one experience. Uh, but then the live uh, the live show is a completely different experience. Amazing energy. Yeah. Yes. That, yeah. Yes. That collaborative experience for the audience. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and and I love um, you know I love the 
what I call the the jolt factor, but the pleasant surprise when people come to see me play live. Like no one comes thinking, oh, this guy's gonna be whack. But people come and you know what they get, what they walk away from is so much more than they ever expected. So I like that pleasant surprise because people, you know, they come. You know, okay, you know, this should be cool. And they're just, they're, they're really, I don't want to say blown away. <laughs> well, I think oh, go they're ahead, say it. They're pretty much blown it. away. Okay, they're blown <laughs> away. Come on. I was, Come and, on. and, and I'll, I'll tell you, it's what, what blew me away is the depth of what you write, the depth of mm. what, you, what you, you present, you know. And, it's, and I came running and started jabbering at, at Tracy about it this morning. I said, you know, this, listen to this, listen to this, you know. It's powerful. Thank it's you. powerful Thank and you. it's mature. Yes. And it's spiritual. Yes. And it's yes. evolved. You're yes. an old soul. Yeah, yeah, all of that. <laughs> yeah. Who are some yeah. of your all music of heroes? Who do, who do you turn to? Who do you listen to? Well, who does Malcolm Jamal Warner listen to when he needs some inspiration? I'm a big, um, in terms of music, I'm a big Miles Davis uh, fan. And of course, it's Miles, but it's also Ron Carter and Paul Chambers because I'm a bass player. So, right. you know, I gravitate to, you know, to, to the bass players as well. Um, in terms of. Uh, the spoken word arena, uh, Saul Williams, uh, Talam AC. Uh, there's a young brother now out of Oakland, uh, Prentice Powell, who is just, he's just writing some really amazing material. Uh, and, and Prentice has got to be in his, you know, early 30s. But he's a cat that I look at that really makes me um, reassess where I am yeah. as a poet. You know, he's. I find him really inspirational. So right now, he's the guy, the cat that's top at the top of my list. Prentice Powell. Prentice Powell. Yes. At the one at the one forty conference that we did in New York, there was a gentleman who came up from I believe from Philadelphia. Who's part? Isn't there a huge spoken word movement in Philadelphia? In Philly, sure. Yeah. 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 And I can't remember his name, but it was Black Ice. No, you know what he he works within. Within the community, within really, you know, the the, the kids who with need kids, it, with yeah. kids, with kids mm-hmm. who are disadvantaged and 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 impoverished, and he teaches them the spoken word, and he they go around and they tour, and it's really bad that we don't have his name on the tip of our tongue, and I will look it up, but he's an ex- mm-hmm. extraordinary man, and he takes these kids, and he teaches them what you, you know. The essence of what you sure, do in, in their sure. own way, but that, that that their stories count, that their lives yes, count, yes, that yes. their that their beings count, yes. that helps them find it, their despite voice. the fact that the world may not be treating them in that way, yes. and he helps them find their voice, and they go around and they tour, and they find a lot of strength and and probably self esteem within within what's that that parameter that he's building sure, for sure. them, and he's an, he's just an and they came and he came and he did the spoken word himself of his own story, but that's pretty much what he devotes his life to in, in the inner city of Philadelphia, and uh, and I will find his name and I'll yeah. send you but he's he's these kids and, and they're just you know when you see the video of these kids no, yeah, as sure, you can imagine sure, yeah. and you know and they're just plucked out and then they find it yeah, yeah I yeah. count yeah I have a voice great, so even man. though it's being suppressed you know I can take it out in the world our six affirmations I will live my life in love and service gratitude and trust and it seems to me that this is an area where you could do amazing work with kids yeah yeah, you know, and actually, what happened was there was a time, you know, my, all my life I've always been speaking to kids, and as a teenager, I'd go and, and you know, and speak sure. to you do motivational stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. But I got to a point. There was a point where, um, you know, when you know Tupac and Biggie Smalls and Snoop Dogg were hot, uh, and I would go to these schools to speak. Um, my messages of uh, self love and self responsibility and self the elegance of kindness and positivity. Yeah. That- they didn't want to hear any of that. No. They wanted to hear from Tupac and Big and Snoop. Yeah. Um, and I got to a point where I got uh, frustrated and really got discouraged um, because they, you know, they were not hearing my messages. And then once I, once I got into, because I've always been a poet, but once I got into the spoken word realm, about ninety three, ninety four, was when I found my voice and I realized. My messages come out in my poetry, so once I once I found my voice through poetry, um, you know, then I then I realized I can I could go to these kids yeah. and 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 speak, um, you know, in a language that they get the message and it's it, it is inspiring and it, and the messages are not only inspiring but it inspires them to want to do spoken word. Yeah. So that was you know being able to find that really helped me uh, in my 
ministry, if you will. Did they feel that you were too privileged, do you think, at that point, that you came from this, but you had this successful TV show that you'd sort of, you'd grown up in this world of the establishment that you were, the, and that the others were really speaking in their own language, in their own space? Do quite, you think that you were like a bit out of their comfort zone in that way? Quite possibly. And and one of the frustrating things about that was that all of those those guys we just talked about, they weren't living the lives they were rapping about. Yeah. <laughs> of course. You know, and there's a song on, on my on my last C D uh, called Love and Other Social Issues that I put out in like two thousand seven. But there's a line in there where I talk about rap rappers are actors just like me. They don't really live the lives you see. So that was also the frustrating part that they wanted to hear from these guys who were essentially, you know, they were telling tales. They weren't really living sure. what these kids and, and that was the other frustrating thing that I that that frustrated me about hip hop because I've grown up with this love hate relationship with hip hop, and that no one was telling these kids that these guys are just entertainers. Yeah. Like everyone believed that Tupac was this this thug, but Tupac went to a, a performing arts high school in Maryland. <laughs> I didn't know that. Exactly. Right. So that's the thing that was always um, that was you know the, the irony because I'm I'm the one bringing them truth and telling them yeah. you know what's really going to help them move forth in life, and they want to hear what they think is truth from. Entertainers. Well, I think the, you go to the headwaters of, of hip hop. I, I, you know, I'm one of these people that walked in to, to see Straight Outta Compton, and and it lit me up. I mean, there's mm. there's some scenes in Straight Outta Compton, things that happened in the ver, in the very beginnings of you know, being rousted out in front of the recording studio yeah, and stuff. Yeah. That I just I, I was enraged. I mean, I was yeah. this is bullshit. You know, this yeah. is uh, this is how do you live through that kind of kind of crap and all? But but you're right. You know, I think as as all of a sudden that became a fashion, that became music, that became a, yes. that all of a sudden and people started coming into it that were in fact that I will step into this genre I will this I will they were actors yeah, yeah. well there's a lot of controversy Paulie about how accurate that movie really is yeah well it got me though I, I gotta tell you it was a piece of art no, it got no, me no it gets you but it's also been saying you know I don't know but that there, there's like you know it's the guy, the guy that impresses me right now is Uncle Ru- Russell Simmons. I think Russell Simmons is. A re- I follow his tweets, and they are all spiritual. They're all about Buddhism and, and the like. So, I'm a big Russell Simmons fan. Yeah, Russell's Russell's he's he's evolved. He's like, very amazing. Much, I, I follow him as well. Yeah, no, he, yeah, no, yeah. He, and he's been. Yeah. I used to do yoga with. Yeah. I mean, I used to in his yoga class. No, he's been doing that for years. I mean, he's been yeah. following that 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 path for years yeah. of trying yeah. to. Yeah. But I think that uh, well, you know, you. I think that when you're not preaching anger and you're not. You know, yeah. and that's and that's also something that perhaps fed into those kids not wanting. And, and, and they sure. were they were getting they were getting legitimized to be angry. They were getting some sort of yes. call passed yes. to to express yes. to express their anger, yes. which is understandable that they had. And you were saying no, you know, there's another way of looking at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that did you learn some of that from Bill Cosby? Did you learn? Did you what you know? I know you've been very. I know you've been a big defender of Bill Cosby sure, sure. In, in, in all of it. And I'm not putting you on the spot yeah, here, but yeah. people are going. You know, we've got you here, and people are going to go. You didn't talk to him about Bill sure, Cosby. Sure. Um, but I know that you have been a defender of Bill Cosby's and all this controversy that you have. Yeah, um, I think what what I got from him, and again, I, again, I, I go back to um, you know my own father, and you know what he instilled in me, um, and then you know working with Mr. Cosby. Just it kind of he kind of gave me a platform to be able to you know still hold on to you know who I am um, in a business that um, makes you so quickly compromise your values and sell your soul. Um, so I think you know my experience with him just allowed me to find ways to navigate through the industry without having to um, you know compromise my integrity. I became as addicted to this, the attention, as I did to drugs and alcohol, you know, to cocaine and, and mm-hmm. vodka. And I'm 25 years sober, but I find that this is still a strong pull. And you know, I could, I, this is a confession in front of Tracy, and she already knows that. There's part of me that, that loves the attention, that sure. loves, loves sure. the attention. Really? Oh, I never sure. knew that. No. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, but you do too. Will yeah, but you do but, but you but, I'm telling you, I but, never had an inkling. Yeah, but you do just a little as well as like it's like this 
<laughs> Every now and then I get shoved out of the way while the photos are being taken. And you get pissed. <laughs> but it's true. It, it's true. And it's it's part of the human condition, you know, of that 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 wanting to be, you know, especially if you, if you came from a childhood, you know, whereas, Tracy, you, you talk about dealing with some of that where you, you feel like you you aren't being seen, where you aren't, you know, and, and you dealt with some stuff like that. I was shipped off to live with an aunt and uncle when I was 13, so I had my stuff when I went from being this weird little guy to this little guy that was getting all this attention mm-hmm. when I started writing mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. It was like a major drug. Mm-hmm. It was a major drug. Yeah. And it took sobriety and it took the recovering community to put spirituality back in my life and really focus my life and balance it and give me a real connection to the world around me. When I reached out yeah. and went, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm dying. Will you help me? And somebody was there. Everything in my life changed. Wow. All of a sudden, my values really all of us became, became focused and and uh, and I changed as a human being. You know, wow. it's, it wow. seems as if that's something that you caught, and I, I guess it's the gift of your folks. You know, at, at a very early age, because you 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 seem so centered, and through the work you're doing, and through through your writing, I'm just I get this really complete human being, a really balanced soul. You know, and it's really nice. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, man. Malcolm, yeah, man. I love I love to uh, in in all these podcasts we do. I love to ask not everybody, but certain people, like, what would be five things that you would tell, there's a lot of unhappy kids out there, there's a lot of racial divide in this country, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's been a lot, it's been a bad couple of years in a lot of ways, and I think a lot of kids are lost. What are five things that you, in speaking to youth out there, mm-hmm. you know, that may not have had the breaks that you've had in terms of the talent you had and the guidance you've had from really good parents, mm-hmm. but to, you know, to believe in themselves and keep going and live, be able to have the chance to live lives that they're, you know, that they deserve, what would you mm. and stay on the straight and narrow? What would you say? Hmm. Not um, being a father yet, but having these right. inclinations to help kids. The first thing would be um, what you just said: believe in yourself. Yeah. Um, but when the world's telling you not to, what do you do? There was a quote that I came up with, like in eighth grade, um, and it said, uh, "Love yourself." If you can't, who can? Mm, that's yeah, lovely. Nice. Um, the third thing would be, you are enough. Mm. I think a lot of times we feel like, you know, I'm not good enough. The world tells you you're not good enough. Um, I mean, you... At the end of the day, you have to be your own champion above that be your own champion yeah because i mean we live in a world you know we you know now we live in, we talk about haters you know um and they've been let loose on the internet and anonymity gives them <laughs> anonymity oh my gosh you know yeah. it's like it's never yeah. like we didn't grow up with that yeah. none of us you know yeah. we're yeah but you know um cat williams comedian said something really interesting he was like let haters do their job. <laughs> haters are supposed to hate. That's what they're supposed to do. So let them hate. You know, use that as as, as fuel. Use that for for, for inspiration. Um, and one one that I just kind of you know uh, came to grips with myself is truly cherish the people who are really down for you because everyone. Everyone isn't going to be, and nor should they be. Mm. Those are five. I was going to say killers, but that's the wrong word. Those are those are life affirming, great tools. Yeah, they work for me. Yeah. Or they they are working for me, and I feel like there's more. I feel like I feel like that's just. Oh, you're the just tip getting started. Yeah, well, like you got to save the rest of your music. Yeah, but no, I just, yeah, yeah, I just, you know, yeah. we, just, we, I just love to give, you know, people. You know, I think people are out there. They look at people who have been successful. They look at people, and you've been successful a long time, yeah. and you did have these great parents, but you also clearly have some inner spirit that's allowed you to keep going and and not derail and people who aren't famous derail i mean it's not like you you know you just you don't just have to be a kid star to derail god knows but (laughs) but you know everyone who's made it has some has has lessons you know has lessons and i think people look out there and they go well it's easy right now with youtube all these things now everything's so fast right like you know well it's just easy to get famous it's easy to get rich it's easy to be successful 
but it's not easy and it's not easy to stay focused and stay pure and, and to yourself and yeah. that's you know how do you keep doing that in a world that doesn't want you to sure. that's the stuff you want the gifts that you know i like to give people when they listen to people like you on our show yeah yeah, and I think you're in the middle of, your, of you know, or the beginning of your second act. I think you have a ton of success ahead of you. Thank you. I, I, it's fun. Yeah, you're a middle-aged guy, huh? I know. Uh, well, listen, oh he's a baby from over here. Well, yeah, know? we're not talking about you right now. We're talking, you know, we saw him, we watched him grow up. And now, you know, yeah. So. yeah, but my mother and I were just having a conversation this morning, actually, and we're just, just talking about just, you know, just all the stuff that's going on right now. Um, and she was, you know, just concerned with how it was affecting me. And, you know, I just really felt like, you know what, Ma, I am, um, you know, I am at the, you said, you know, the beginning of the, you know, of, of, of the second, second the second act. And I was like, and I, I used chapter. I was like, you know, this, the next chapter is, is just, is really about to start, you know, and everything that's, that, that's going on now, um, you know, we, we move forward. <laughs> our, you sec- know, our second hit a moving target just yeah, keep moving man, forward yeah, you know and you keep changing yeah, and evolving yeah. i mean that's i mean i'm 57 and it's just starting i'm just starting new things you just keep that's the great thing about being an artist anyway you just get to keep redoing and reinventing yeah. and our you sec- know and our second affirmation is i don't know how to do this but something inside me does <laughs> and, and and I love it. that can comfort yes, you right. it, yeah Right. Yeah. Something inside. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've yeah. given the world a lot, Malcolm Jamal Warner, and you continue to. People go out there and listen to this guy's music. The yeah. Dude's like, please, really, really, listen do. to his music. Please do. Grammy winning, pay, Emmy nominated. Pay, pay attention to his songs. He's been around a long yeah, time. Yeah. He continues to just reinvent and inspire. And thank you for coming here today. No, thanks for having me. And thank you for this. I, I really can't wait to get into this well, book. Like, I you. need this is I need this in my life right now. Well, Excellent. We hope you Excellent. like it. Yes, if you like it, yes. tweet it. And uh, yes. And, yeah. we, and those of you out there, listen to Malcolm and listen to and thank you for tuning into Gratitude and Trust podcast nice. with the iconic Paul Williams and the. Uh, Big mouth me and, and the awesome <laughs> and the awesome Malcolm Jamal Warner. Yes. Thank you very much. Blessings can, can, can I get my Twitter my my, my, my Twitter uh, uh, handle here? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. we already we put yeah, yeah put, you did okay okay. No, cool. but just tell it, give it, give it. was gonna say you know follow me uh, at uh, Malcolm Jamal War on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And what's your Facebook? And what's your um, and what, no not your Facebook? What's your website? Uh, the website is MalcolmJamalWarner.com. And the music's there. Uh, people me, can find it. Yeah, people can find it there. People can find it on on iTunes. It's on iTunes. Um, it's I've got three CDs on on iTunes, but this last CD that we've been talking about is called Selfless. Yeah, it's um, wonderful. And it's beautiful. Listen. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah. Facebook is Malcolm Jamal Warner. Go like him. And I please go like me. And I I, I handle all of my social media. So if it takes me some time to respond, it's because I'm actually handling it myself. And you know, social media is you know it's like a, a part-time job with no pay. And his T-shirt says "Handle carefully." So handle he handles it carefully. <laughs> Hot chocolate, delicious, strong, all natural. Handle carefully. <laughs> and that's Malcolm Jamal Warner. There it is. Thanks, thanks for tuning. Thank thanks you, everybody. Guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Malcolm. Yeah. Thank you. Blessings and thanks. You give a little love, and it all comes back to you you know you're gonna be remembered for the things that you say and do